Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Elvis fans from around the world, welcome to part three of this special three-part episode of Shaping Elvis. We're recapping Elvis Week 2018. Okay, because of time, I'm going to get right into it. Here's a quick recap. Part one was my small little tribute to the king with a timeline of the day's events on August 16th of 77. Part two, we talked to members of the Tubulo Elvis fan club, and in this episode, we're going to be talking with Elvis tribute artists from around the world, starting and continuing with my friend, Mr. Jack Curtis. Tell me what an ETA is. An ETA is the official term for an Elvis tribute artist. We've been called impersonators and uh, imitators and many other things, but uh, we kind of enjoy hearing uh, Elvis tribute artists because that's really saying what most, I think I can speak for most all of the guys out there that, that I've met and performed with and competed against over the years. It really says uh, that uh, we're paying tribute to Elvis. I mean, we uh, do not try to be Elvis. We certainly don't think we'll ever come anywhere close to the talent that Elvis Presley has, the charisma, uh, but we pay tribute to Elvis. And uh, yeah, we do shows and uh, we sing and uh, try to recreate the special moments maybe or memories that people who saw Elvis or maybe had a Elvis song playing when they met somebody special in their life or you know we try to recreate those memories but uh, we're paying tribute to Elvis himself. And on a side note for me you know I was born February of 77 so and as like you say as long as I can remember I was listening to Elvis so for me, an Elvis tribute artist is as close as I can get to seeing him live. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, we um, we're amazed, all of us Elvis fans, tribute artists, we're amazed at how popular Elvis and his music is, even with the the young ones that we see coming to our shows. They really uh, have done a good job of passing Elvis's music and his legacy down from one generation to the next. I notice special needs children especially love Elvis music. They, it's, it's amazing. It's just something about it. And uh, it's good to see that the popularity of Elvis and his music is growing. It's not dying across the country. It's, uh, it's, it's increasing. And that's pretty special. I mean, who else? What other entertainer out there can you say that about? Right, right. Really. How did you get started and why do you do it? Yeah. Well, I got started. I think you kind of touched on why, but yeah. yeah. How did you get started? Yeah, I got, I got started. Uh, my company that I uh, worked for in the insurance business, I was a manager for an insurance company, and they asked me, they knew I did a little bit of singing, not Elvis necessarily, just singing at church and things like that. They asked me one year to perform, to put together whatever I wanted to, a, a show of any type. They didn't even tell me Elvis music, just whatever I wanted to do in Amelia Island, Florida, for a company convention. 
Well, I ended up going to Memphis, renting a about a $500 jumpsuit from a costume shop, Costume World there in Memphis, on Perkins, I believe it was. But I rented a costume and uh, had me some sideburns and I made me a music, made me a tape of about 20 Elvis songs and took off and performed at Amelia Island. Everybody just had such a good time that when I came back home, I thought, you know, I'm living right here in Tupelo. So I decided that I would uh, go to that little costume shop and just buy that jumpsuit. So I went to Memphis, walked in, bought the little jumpsuit that I'd rented, came back to Tupelo. I said, now I've got to learn some songs. Elvis had over 700 songs. I, I know about 20 that I really can sing. So I went to a hotel here in Tupelo called the Executive Inn over on North Gloucester Street. And uh, they have tour buses that came in every Monday night and had dinner. And then, of course, they would go and tour the birthplace the next day. I asked them if I could come sing for them. They said, how much would you charge? I said, $75 a week. So I performed for those busloads of Elvis fans that came in from all over the world. And all I'm, when I say the world, I mean literally. They were from other countries many times. And uh, I would sing to them, and uh, they would have their dinner, and I would give the scarves out to them. And so each week, I would add about two new songs to my repertoire. And I did that for about a year and a half until I knew about 45, 50 of his songs. Then I said, you know what? I'm in Tupelo. <laughs> what else can I do with this? And I just began to enter competitions. And back then, we didn't have an Elvis competition at the Elvis Festival here in Tupelo. We didn't have it here. That was back in the 90s. I would go to other cities and compete and then go to the uh, semifinals in other cities, such as Monroe, Louisiana. And uh, I placed first place in Monroe three years in a row and the first place winner got to go and perform in Memphis at that time. And so... No pressure. I, no pressure. <laughs> and uh, so I would go and perform in Memphis. I did that uh, about five years, but the last three years uh, I was able to um, you know, compete in the top 20 in Memphis. So that helped me to uh, hone my skills a little bit and be able to come back home to Tupelo and, and really just feel like I was putting on an enjoyable, entertaining show. I don't do it for a living. I don't ever remember selling pictures or CDs or anything like that, memorabilia, T-shirts about myself. I, I just do it because I enjoy it, and uh, that's how it got started. Yeah. What's it like for you? I mean, do you, do you kind of feel a synergy or some kind of... You know, I, I grew up in the First Assembly of God Church. Uh, I started singing in church at a very young age, and I, I've always felt a special connection with Elvis's gospel music because I, I feel a certain energy when I sing his gospel songs. Elvis grew up, of course, in the Assembly of God. If you've never been 
it is an experience. Uh, I'm not uh, a member of the Assembly of God Church now. We're Methodist, but for the first 14 years of my life, I was. And um, I can just imagine how Elvis felt sitting in the Assembly of God Church and and, and how he felt gospel music. And, uh, and I don't think that ever left Elvis. I think it stayed with him his entire life. So especially when I'm singing Elvis gospel, I tend to feel the Elvis uh, spirit um, inside. The best way to say this is tell you of an experience that happened uh, last year. Last year I went and sang at a local nursing home for what they call their monthly birthday party. And everybody that has a birthday this particular month sat at a table up front, and, and I did my show and gave scarves out to them as I sang. One of the ladies that I gave a scarf to, um, she passed away that night. A couple of days later, the nursing home sent me a letter from that lady's daughter and the letter said my mom passed away the night after the birthday party she had a wonderful night and she still had the scarf around her neck when she went to bed now you know you just never know when the joy that someone has um, you know how much that really means to them I mean that was her that was probably the last you know one of the last things she saw one of the last things she did and and uh, I remember the look on her face I remember how much fun she had she was just having a ball and and then uh, so it it gives me a lot of uh, personal satisfaction to know that you know, people um, people appreciate that uh, time, and, and and I think the reason they appreciate it is the real Elvis fans out there, as you said earlier, um, it, it it gives them opportunities to reflect back on their lives. And you can just almost see that in their faces sometimes when you're singing a certain song or someone requests a certain song especially. I always wonder, you know, what happened? What was what was that what was going on when you know, why is this song special to this person? What is it? And uh I don't usually know that answer. Uh <clears throat> what what kind of acts that do you do you do only Elvis, or do you do other artists? Or on stage, I do Elvis, and uh, kind of for fun, I do some other artists. Uh, I've been known to uh, throw in a Willie Nelson tune. Okay. <laughs> when I'm performing, uh, I usually say, uh, "How would y'all like to see me impersonate? How would you like to see how Elvis would have impersonated Willie Nelson?" <laughs> If you had not fallen, oh, wow. <laughs> um, that usually gets a little kick out of them, yeah. and uh, and then I go back to Elvis real quick because I don't I don't look quite right with 
singing Willie Nelson in a jumpsuit with Elvis sideburns, and and uh, but it's fun. So you're still you're still active in the tribute art. Yes, uh, I haven't competed uh, in the uh, contest in the last three years. Um, just have gotten a little bit away from the competition and more into just the enjoyment of performing, singing. Um, I usually have three to four shows a month is my my um, average number of shows, um, and that is not counting going to the nursing homes or singing at a church event. You know, something like that. Uh, but as far as uh, paid gigs, I probably uh, average uh, three to four a month. How many jumpsuits do you have? I have five jumpsuits that I have in my closet today. And I've had a couple over the years that I don't have, but uh, presently I own five. There do they have any certain names like Aloha? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 68 comeback special. <laughs> yeah. I've never had this, the black leather outfit. I don't know. I'm 55 years old. I don't know if I, how good I would look in black leather, but uh, I've never uh, had the black leather outfit. I've got. You're primarily 70s. Primarily. I, I have uh, like the chain suit. I have um, um, what Elvis himself, one time in one of his concerts, he said, turn the lights up, and he said, for those of you in the back that uh, can see me, he says, this is an owl. (laughs) And he held his belt, you know, big square part of the big blue belt up. And uh, he was wearing the famous owl suit, which is a beautiful blue um, jumpsuit that Elvis had and I owned that outfit as well um, but yes the um, jumpsuits uh, that I get are patented after Elvis's original jumpsuits and I get them from one of the more well-known um, makers and that's B&K Enterprises out of Indiana they are known um, worldwide for having uh, the replicas of Elvis jumpsuits. They do a real good job. They last a long time. I've got one that I can still wear that I bought 24 years ago. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Um, and that's amazing that there's there's actually a company that specializes yes. that. Yes. But I guess you have to, you know. Yes, and, and they do a good job. I have the fringe jumpsuit. I've got uh, one that I don't wear often called the Aztec. It's good to have more than one, I can tell you that. <laughs> Especially when you sing in back-to-back nights. <laughs> uh, you certainly don't have to. You can say no comment. Uh, would you... Uh, just kind of give an estimate of how much one would cost? Sure. A uh, jumpsuit on the low end, my experience with B&K, has been about $1,900 on the low end. Uh, on the upper end, uh, the most I've paid is about $2,800. And that includes the cape 
and the belt and the jumpsuit. All right, so you, you knew this was coming. <laughs> Can you give us a little taste of, of any song? Doesn't matter. Oh. This would be something light and easy, just something that I, I'll have to do for. Okay, we'll do just something very simple. Love me tender, love me sweet, never let me go. You have made my life complete. And I love you so Oh, love me tender Love me true All my dreams fulfill For my darling I love you And I always will Very nice. <laughs> I just want to say thank you very much. <laughs> very nice, very nice. When when did you when did you realize, hey, you know, I kind of sound like him? Well, in the tenth grade in high school, they had a talent show, and uh, although I had sang in church all my life, uh, I'd never entered a talent show and. I don't. I think my mom encouraged me, and uh, so I, I asked my mom. I said, "What song should I do?" And we had already established the fact that it was going to be an Elvis song if she was going to come. <laughs> and we, you know, back then I was a low bass. I had a. I was coming tenth grade. I was low bass, and uh, I could sing very low. So we picked way down. Oh yeah. Babe, you're getting closer, you know, da dong da dong da dong And uh, so I performed way down uh, in the 10th grade at high school, and uh, that's going back as far as I can remember my first song that I ever performed, to Elvis song, to a, to a live audience. Well, Mr. Jack Curtis, thank you so much for your time. I just want to say thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mr. Curtis. Great entertainer, that guy. Now, let's check in with other ETAs. Like many of my friends and family out there, when I first thought of an ETA, I did not call them that. I called them impersonator or someone trying to be. And I publicly ask guys uh, for your forgiveness. And it didn't just start at this point. It actually started for me a couple of three years prior before actually meeting an ETA for the longest I can remember thinking man there is only one Elvis there is only one Elvis nobody can do this more than he why are people trying to be like him no 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 no. that's not the case and I think as far as you listen to my interviews with these guys you will begin to understand what they're out there doing what they're out there for this is what they love to do and it all stems back to what Elvis did for them. Maybe not in a personal sense, maybe not in a one-to-one. Well, I mean, it couldn't have because some of these guys were not even born when Elvis passed away. But the interviews had to run in this special episode because what better way to tribute than to be a tribute artist? I'm going to be away for a while and I'm just going to let the interviews go. And I think you'll find this both entertaining, uh, informative, Actually, there's a lady in here 
that will surprise you, I think. Um, now, as you may remember, during the Elvis Festival, they were having the Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Contest. And I talked to a lot of the guys, took pictures with them, so you can see those on my Facebook. And when I got back to the station, I realized, Josh, you didn't talk with the champion. You didn't talk with the winner. Oh, ay ay ay. Man, I thought I was about to freak out. But, Mr. Nick Perkins, this year's winner was gracious enough to give me a phone interview, and you'll hear that at the end. So, enough of my yapping. Here are the ETAs. Um, your name, sir? Uh, my name is Daniel David Jenkins, Jr. And where are you from? I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, so tell me, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing Elvis since I was like 16 years old. Um, and right after I graduated, I've been doing it ever since. And... Um, Still continue doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you're kind of a, you're kind of a young guy. How did you get into get into listening to Elvis? And... Oh man, um, I actually first saw Elvis' appearance on uh, on a TV show called Turner Classic Movies, and um, the movie was called Loving You. And uh, I thought to myself, like, wow, this guy's like unbelievable cool. And he had a great smile, great hair, and a, something about him that just clicked to me and made a huge impact on my life, you know, so, and that was the first time I actually saw him, it was on television, movies on, on television set. I, uh, I caught your performance, and man, you really, you really did a great job, uh, it was, uh, I, was, I was very impressed, uh, you know, what, what keeps you going? What keeps me going is a, is a, um, is a support by the Elvis fans, you know, it, it's, a, it's a support, and, uh, the, the beliefs that everybody has for us, you know, they, they, they believe in us and they keep us, like, motivated and um, very hype. So we, we actually, like, interact with their energy and then it kind of builds up from us and, and then all mixed together by Elvis fans, you know. So it, it's, it's the Elvis fans that keeps us going. And your name? My name is Gib Maynard. And where are you from? I'm from East Texas. East Texas. What got you started into doing the ETA? Well, um, I've been an Elvis fan since I was six, uh, but didn't really start up uh, paying a tribute to him or uh, singing or doing anything like that until about a year and a half ago. Uh, just being an Elvis fan, I'd like to see his music and memories continue on for many generations. And you've been doing this how long? Uh, about a year and a half, a little, or a little, maybe a little over now. What's the biggest reward that you get from doing this? To me, the biggest reward is just getting to entertain for his fans. Because, I mean, you can tell Elvis fans truly miss Elvis so much. So if you can bring those memories back and make for just a moment them relive that, to me, that's that's a big reward. What's your name? Dana Myers. I guess I need to do that first. And where are you from? Uh, Brunswick, Georgia. Georgia. All right. And uh, I was talking to him uh, about being an ETA, but you're actually a, a tribute artist as well. Is that what right? Yes, sir. And, and you do? And Margaret and Loretta Lynn. And when did you start doing those? Uh, about three years ago. What's what's the biggest thing? What's the biggest thing you get out of doing it? Um, 
It's just really cool to see people like light up when you start singing the songs because that's what they grew up with and, and they just really, it, it brings them back and you can tell just how happy it makes them. So it's really cool to see that. Let me ask you uh, specifically about Elvis. When, when did you really start getting into his music or his vibe or whatever? Um, back in 2013, we went to the Georgia Elvis Festival and my mom was always a fan, but I kind of like saw Elvis in action, as I say, through the tribute artist and I just, from then I was hooked. Uh, I was wondering if you could give me a little bit of Ann Margaret. The gentleman has awful fair, as much as an elephant or a bear. I'd like to take him for a spin back to the zoo to visit his kin. <laughs> That's great. That's Thank awesome. You. That's awesome. All right, Loretta Lee, then let's hear her. You've come to tell me something. <laughs> you say I ought to know that he don't love me anymore, and I'll have to let him go. to take my man. All right, folks, you heard it here first, so be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Thanks so much for Thank stopping by. Thank you so much. Thank you. Me too. Right. Your name? Gabriel Sanders. And you're from? Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, what got you started in doing all this? Well, uh, I, I started at a young age, around six, seven, and uh, I started, uh, you know, my mom was a big fan. You know, I grew up on it. My uncle was a big fan. And uh, so... And of course, my mom, my mom's uh, dad was actually stationed in Germany with Elvis, and uh, she had told me the story about that. And it's just an exciting thing to be, you know, be a part of because you know Elvis is such a great entertainer, you know, and and I just love his music and I love performing and, and giving the crowd something to, to remember Elvis, you know, and so they could, you know, say, well. You know, that's that's what everyone comes to you know to see is just to bring back the memories that, that Elvis had brought to us. You know, so. uh, good luck to you. All right. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. Okay. Your name, sir? Lee Alexander. And where are you from? London, England. So what brings you to Tupelo? I'm in the contest for the uh, ultimate qualifier. We're standing on the grounds of the birthplace here. Is this your first time here? First time at the birthplace, yeah. And what's your what's going through your head right now? Uh, just how peaceful this place is. Yeah. Uh, I was I was here two days ago and I stayed here for three hours. Wow. Just taking everything in and sitting down and looking at everything and it's just amazing. Just feel a connection, you know, with. Feel his spirits here still. Yeah. After all these years, you know, it, I'm lost for words because he was yeah. he was so amazing, you know. And it kind of I guess the whole emotion of being here too is kind of uh, getting everything. It too. was. Uh, <laughs> I went I went to Graceland on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and I came here Wednesday. Um, and and as emotional as Graceland was, uh, I think because the. It's just so peaceful here. You could take more in. Uh, you know, you, 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 I had so much time to myself, you know, and I, I was the only one at the house for, you know, for, for a few, you know, quite a few minutes. So just to sit there on the porch and, and just take everything in, it was, uh, it was so emotional. It was just, uh, it will live with me for the rest of my life, that's for sure. How long have you been doing this? I'm quite new. I've uh, I'm three and a half years into it. Okay. Um, 
but uh, I've been I've been around the world really. Yeah. Performing, yeah. Good luck to you. Thank you. And, Pleasure uh, meeting you. Good to meet you, sir. Thanks a lot. Hope you have a safe trip. Thank you. Mark Anthony. And how long have you been? Well, first of all, where are you from? I'm from uh, Australia, South Australia. How long have you been in ETA? 15 years. Loving every minute. Loving every minute. It's been a great. It's a great job to have. Yeah. You want to have a job. Right. It's a job. Um, just t- tell me, how did you actually get into doing this? Um, I was always an Elvis fan when I was a child, and uh, I was a musician. I was a drummer, playing jazz and playing all kinds of stuff, rock bands, and uh, and 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 our you know music industry is, is is gone a little, you know, over the past. I could see, you know, and I was getting I was getting a little into an age where where being discovered. Was, uh, was 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 getting beyond my my ears, so I, I I just transitioned. I said, you know, I'm, I want to do something that I'll never get sick of, something that I, I'll always love doing, and the music I'll always love, which is Elvis Presley's music. I mean, it, it's got every genre, and, and, it, and it, you'll never get sick of it. So I just transitioned to doing Elvis. That's it. What what does it? How do how do you feel about being? In Tupelo, I mean, is this is this your first time? It's not my first time in Tupelo. I've, I've been to Tupelo many times before and just visited, uh, but it's my first time in the competition here in the festival. Um, but you know, every time you come here, it's something special. Like you know, you walk up to the birthplace, and and you're just looking around. You know, I, I try to get away from all the people so I can just be quiet and silent. And there's a little pond out the back, and you can just imagine Elvis as a boy skipping stones across that pond, you know, and all that stuff. That's that's the, the stuff that I love. You know, try and try and breathe the same rare air that he breathed. You know. Right. Now I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Last yeah. question here. Um, I was wondering if I might could talk to Elvis. Sure, if, man. If, sure, uh, man. Uh, sure, so, man. What's going on, man? Uh, Elvis, how is it? How's it? Back, how's it feel to be back home? Oh man, it's incredible, man. You know, you get on home and uh, it's, it's great to be here. And uh, I, I just love coming on back home, man. This is a place I was born. <laughs> That's great. Hey, man, thank you so much, and uh, uh, good luck in the competition. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Thanks, man. Uh, your name? My name is JJ King. You're from? I'm from Austria. In Europe, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because uh, a lot of people mean it's Australia, but it's Austria right, in Europe, right. yes. Uh, how long have you been an ETA? Uh, since 27 years now, yeah. yeah. Why do you think Elvis is still at the top of his game? Like, why is he so, still so popular? Uh, I think uh, Elvis will ever be the king and he has something unique nobody else has and uh, we ETAs are the one who keep the spirit alive I think and bring back a, a piece of Elvis. What does Elvis mean to you? For me it's uh, the best singer in the world and uh, the one who has the most feeling I've ever, I've ever listened to in his songs and uh, he could do rock and roll or gospel or any kind of music uh, and uh, like uh, like he he can transform in he could transform in everything he want to and that's that's great great he's unique all right good luck in the competition thank you very much thank, thank you, you sir uh, your name mansoor spears and you're from austin texas uh, what brings you to tupelo well, I, I was I'm competing in the contest, and uh, 
and everybody's just been so welcoming here and you know I've never been to Tupelo so this is my first time and it's great so far yeah that's what I was, was going to ask you you know what yeah. you, what do you think about Tupelo so far it's great I mean everybody's so welcoming and it's just it's a warm feeling you know and um, it's just it's nice to be in Elvis's birthplace you know and so it's really special to be here what's one of the um, biggest things that you get from being an ETA uh, I just feel I feel good when I'm on stage, you know, and I feel good that I'm bringing, you know, back Elvis, you know, and keeping his memory alive, and that's that's the most important thing to introduce him to the new generation, and you know, and see the 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 image and the man, and he was just so so special, you know, and just the presence he had on stage is just amazing. Yeah, and you look kind of look like a young guy yourself. How did you get into Elvis? Well, I grew up listening to Elvis. Uh, when I was little, I watched the Aloha from Hawaii special, and the first song I saw was a, a song called Steamroller Blues, and I was just so mesmerized by him, and uh, just just the way he presented himself on stage, and he was so natural, and it was just amazing just, just to see that. Yeah. Uh, and how long have you been doing this? I've been doing it about four years. All right. Thank you very much. And your name, sir? Michael Culifer. Yes, sir. And uh, where are you from? Oklahoma. Uh, I actually knew who you were. <laughs> when you said it, I was like, yeah, yeah. I know who you are. But <laughs> it kind of threw me off there. Well, I, I perform in Memphis, though. I mean, I, I, I'm in Memphis all the time across from Graceland performing. And, and, and you know, I, I'm a huge Elvis fan. In case you didn't notice that either, you know. But, yeah, I, I love doing what I do. What got you into being an ETA? When I was four, I seen an ETA, and I thought he was the coolest thing. He walked out in a big jumpsuit, and I was sold. I always prayed I would grow up and have big sideburns like Elvis, and I am always say God answers prayers because I got big sideburns. I, I, well, I've trimmed them down recently for the 50s, but I can grow them. So I always say God answers prayers because he's got, I, he did answer that one, and, and, and I, I live my dream every day. I, this is always what I wanted to do since I was four when I seen him. That's when I wanted to, when I got, when I grew up. I wanted to do what I do now, and I'm living my dream, so that's really cool. And how long have you been doing it? Professionally for about uh, eight years. Uh, what's what's the biggest reward for you? Uh, the fan appreciation, um, keeping his music alive, his music in memory. Um, the biggest reward is the response from the fans. No matter, you know, none of us can be Elvis. Our job is to keep his music and his memory alive, and the fans appreciate that because they know what we're doing. You know, we don't get on the stage claiming to be Elvis because, I mean, I was born in 1990. I can't get up and say, hey, I did this in 1956 because I, I wasn't even thought of. So, you know, so that, that, that's, that's the most rewarding thing to me is to see just somebody put a smile on somebody's face. You know, that's, that's, that's what I look for. I was wondering if there might be a little chance I could talk to Elvis real quick. To Elvis? Yeah. You mean like, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. That kind of yeah. Thing. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Elvis, tell me, how does it feel to be back home? It's great, man. I, I don't know what I would do, you know, without Tupelo because uh, the people in Tupelo are so welcoming again when we come home, and, and, and uh, it's just good to be home. Now, what's your thoughts about tonight's show? Rip it up. You know, I, I just want to give out and give people a, a good experience and make people happy, uh, and, and that's what it's about to me. I just I love music, and when you feel it, you shake, and, you know, it's got to keep shaking because they're doing something right because they keep screaming. You know? <laughs> 
Uh, uh, folks, you can't see it, but he's even got the, the lip snarl, like I was telling you earlier. But, uh, but he's dressed to the nines. He's looking great. You did a fantastic job today. Thank you so much. And uh, this morning, I should say. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah, good luck in the competition. Thank you. God bless you guys. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. And I'm standing with Matt King from the UK. From the UK. Yeah. Uh, quite a quite a quite a walk from there. Yeah, I went to Lake George first in New York, and then come down here. So, so I've been I've been here for a while. First time in Tibolo? No, second. I came second last year, and I've come back to try and try my luck again. How long have you been doing um, Devil's Tribute? Oh, uh, about 27 years. Started in 1991 in the Canary Islands in Spain, in Europe. And uh, I just started there, and it, it just snowballed. I didn't, I didn't expect to still be doing it 27 years later. So long may it continue. What does this mean for you? Oh, it's, it's, well, in Tupelo, it's celebration of Elvis himself. Obviously, we're all fans at heart. But to be able to sing his songs in Tupelo is, is uh, spiritual. It's amazing. It's hard, it's hard to put into words. You know. Great. So, well, thank you for your time. No problem. Good, Good luck in the competition. Thank you very much. Thank you. Your name? This is Travis Albertson. And you're from? Uh, Austin, Indiana. Austin, Indiana. How yeah. long have you been in ETA? I've been about 19 years now. Yeah. Yeah. What got you started? Uh, well, you know, a lot of things. Uh, one of the big things, people said, you know, you look like Elvis in school and stuff, of course. I was always an Elvis fan. I wasn't an ETA fan, and I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. But then after I got married and, you know, figured I'd like to do it, so I went ahead and done it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been... <laughs> What's the biggest reward uh, out of doing this? Uh, well, just like you just saw here, uh, you know, disabled people coming up to you and saying how much you mean to them and how much the songs touch their hearts and things. I love that part of the show, meeting and greeting the fans and, you know, the special ones and different things like that. It really makes it all worthwhile and touches your heart. Kind of gives you a little taste of what Elvis went through. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Just maybe just a little spoonful, you know. I, uh, you know, you meet all these folks that are Elvis fans. Elvis's fans are the best in the world. And, you know, just meeting them and talking to them and, and finding out little stories. Maybe they went to see Elvis in concert or what have you. It's just phenomenal. You know, after 41 years, Elvis not being here, his uh, legacy in music is still just as popular as it has, always has been. It's good to see you, and thank you so much. You're very uh, welcome. Good, good luck you. in the competition. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for the interview. I appreciate it. Tyler Christopher. And you're from? Uh, Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Uh, how long have you been doing this? Uh, my dad was a really big Elvis fan, so um, I kind of grew up with it. Uh, when I was 12, I actually started performing shows locally uh, around my area. Um, and when I was 16, I was invited to a, a big contest in New York, um, and I won my first contest there in New York. Wow, at 16? Yes, sir. Yeah, so it kind of all snowballed from there a little bit. It still amazes me how, you know, even... A, a newer generation continues to listen to his music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely uh, contagious. You know, I, I started when I was little, and people always ask me that. How did a young guy, like, you get into Elvis when you never seen him? And, and now that I'm 28 and I see all these young guys like I was, you know, the next generation down, they're 10, 12, and they're, they're starting to do it too. So it's really, really cool to see. So, um, Elvis, tell me, how's it, how's it like to be back home? It feels good, man. It feels really good. Uh, we've been gone for a while, so it feels good to be back home. Well, what's your uh, what's your take on tonight's performance? Uh, I think it's real good. You know, a lot of talent here, and uh, it's a privilege to be on stage with these fellows. Man, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations, and I hope you the best for the competition. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Have a good one. Your name, sir? Dwight Eisenhower. Could you tell me exactly what you do? 
Well, I pay a tribute to Elvis Presley. I dress up like Elvis. I sing his songs live on stage with the live band and bring back good memories of the king. Yeah. Now, you're, I think you're being just a little bit modest. Let, let's tell what happened a couple years ago here. Well, uh, I basically uh, won in 2016. I won the Super Bowl of Elvis Tribute Contest. Uh, it's called the Ultimate Elvis, sponsored by Graceland, EPE, Elvis Presley Enterprises. So that's really the, the, the top of, you know, as high as you can go as far as contest world goes. And, and I was blessed enough, you know, to win that. So. Where are you from? Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How from Ohio originally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Don't get mad at me if I don't. I hear you. What, what got you into to doing this? I mean, it's obviously it's being a fan yeah. starts, well, but what, what actually got you? To, you know what? I, I kind of sound like this guy. You know, my mother got me into Elvis when I was four or five years old. I remember seeing his movies. She would play them, and it's Christmas. Christmas album and Christmas time, and so she got me into loving Elvis and his music. Uh, the Elvis uh, tribute artist thing kind of happened as a fluke. I was in college to become an, a music uh, teacher, you know, uh, a band instructor, and I did that for about a year. And I slowly started doing this Elvis thing just as a fluke. Uh, you know, I dressed up one year for a variety show, and and people liked it, and it just kind of slowly snowballed from there. And now we're, you know, playing the world. So. So, okay, play in the world. Where, where have you been? Well, literally, I just got back uh, about a week ago from a five-and-a-half-week tour of Europe with all with some of Elvis's original band members. Wow. So we had uh, Bob Lanning on the drums who played on songs like Polk Salad Annie, The Wonder of You, uh, In the Ghetto, Don't Cry Daddy, Runaway. He played all, on all those classic live cuts. Um, and we had Eddie Graham, who was Elvis's percussionist on over 300 shows. We had uh, Jim Murray of the Imperial. Quartet that Elvis sang with, uh, 19, uh, basically 1969 through 1974. So it was a lot of fun. What's the greatest reward for you doing this? You know, just uh, the acknowledgement from EPE. I mean, just to have those Elvis Presley Enterprises come up to you and say, "You are the best Elvis." Of, the, of 2016, that was that was the. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. But you know, to have Elvis fans come up to you worldwide and say that you brought back good memories of Elvis. I mean, that should be the best feeling for anybody. You know. So what what is it like? You know, I mean, when, when you're up there on stage, what is it like for you? I mean. Do you, do you feel his presence? Do you? I mean, or do you just channel him? Or yeah, you is know, it, is it is it Dwight? Well, it? it's always Dwight. I, I never say you know you know we recorded this song back in nineteen fifty. You know, I always keep it as Dwight Eisenhower's tribute to Elvis Presley. Even though yeah, I've got the hair on and the the, the suit and whatever the belts. You know, it, it's always from Dwight Eisenhower's heart. It's it's never that I think I'm Elvis or any of these guys. You know, um, I, I think the time that you start to think that you are Elvis is when you should hang it up because there'll never be another Elvis. No matter how hard I try or these other guys, will never, there will never be another Elvis. And, and, and to me, you have to be an Elvis fan to do what we do. I mean, if you're not an Elvis fan and you're, and you're singing his songs, you, you shouldn't because, I mean, it's 
should come from your heart because you love Elvis the same as the everyone out here buying a ticket. You know. I have to confess my sins. <laughs> when when I was when I was growing up and I would see. I would call them impersonators. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of was like, oh, they're just trying to be Elvis. They're just trying to be Elvis. The right. more I got to know you guys, I, you can see the heart. Right. It's not more, it's not much, it's not trying to be. It's, right. It's paying tribute. Right. What do you say to people who have that mentality? You know, and I, I was right in your boat, man. I was the same way. I mean, uh, before I actually started doing it, and I, I would never give it a chance because there's only one Elvis, you know, and I never thought anyone could... Could um, and not not that we even come close, but but the thing is 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 it comes from a place the same place that comes from your heart when you go out and buy an Elvis record or a CD you, and you listen to it. You love Elvis Presley. You love the way he could cut through just even on a record, come through your speakers, let alone seeing him live. You know, and anyone who has that kind of magnitude, I mean, it's just I don't I don't even know how to describe. I'm kind of going off on something else now, but you know. Uh, but as an Elvis fan, I mean, you ha you ha as an Elvis performer, you have to be an Elvis fan first. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me the guys that just do it for a paycheck because that you can't come across as genuine. You know, you have to love that music. So, and you can tell the ones who really love it, would yeah, do it for free. Yeah, exactly. But but to go back to what you were saying, I mean, I, I was exactly the same way. I, I would not want to pay money back then before I got to know some of these guys and go, you know what, these guys are just Elvis fans. They're, they're, but this is the way they show their love for Elvis, you know. And now that I, I'm doing this, this is my 22nd year doing this. So, you know, but I met a lot of the original guys that, that started out in the tribute artist industry, like Johnny Hara, Jimmy Ellis, um, Eddie Miles, you know, some of the legendary guys in this business. You know, it, it's, you know, to meet those guys and see where it started. You know, Rick Saucedo, that guy was doing Elvis when, when Elvis was doing Elvis, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Favorite song? To Are you perform? lonesome tonight? It's my favorite Elvis song. Well, okay. Favorite I didn't song. do it tonight, but that's my favorite one. That, that's your favorite one to perform? That's my favorite Elvis song, period. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I change as far as what my favorite song to perform is. Tonight, my favorite song probably would be uh, Way Down. I just, yeah. I think Way Down is just, to me, it, Elvis had recorded a lot between like 1970 and 77. The actual rock and roll songs that he recorded was few and far between. You know, he, he got into country and he got into gospel, you know, doing the gospel stuff, which is all great. I love some of his country song and the gospel stuff is some of my favorite things he recorded. But if you listen, uh, you know, to as far as rock and roll sounding songs, Way Down was right up there with Hound Dog. You know, it's like he went back to his roots and, and really, you know, Way Down is one of my favorite ones. And personally, when I was growing up, I listened to J.D. Sumner and I was like, that's well, the guy I'm going to cut my teeth. That, I want to sound like that guy. J.D., man. He, he was... He got down. Oh, way down. Way on down. Way on down. Yeah. Uh, hardest song to perform? For me, um, that's a tough one. Uh, there's a lot of them that's hard, obviously. Um, I would say the last note of Trilogy. That's a, that's a tough one, man. I mean, and you know, as a, I'm a trumpet player, so I, I know how to sing from my diaphragm, and, and a lot of guys sing from here, you know, and, and they wear out quick. You have to sing from your diaphragm, and that song is, if you start singing from here, 
you're not gonna you're not gonna get it at the end. You know, you'll wear yourself out by the time you get to that last note because everybody's waiting for that last note. Right. You can do everything else, you know, and, and get by with it, and they'll love it. But when you they're listening for that last note, <laughs> if you don't hit that one, that's you know. Now I'm gonna put you on the spot, and this is the last thing here. Sure. I'm wondering if I could speak to Elvis real quick. Is it, would that be a possibility? <laughs> what he might have said? Yeah. What Elvis might have said? Yeah. Well, be back in well, Elvis might have said something like, uh, you know, it's a great honor to be here. This is where I grew up, and this is where all the people I love, they're still here, and they're still here celebrating the music. And I love you, and thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, sir. No, thank you. Hey, Nick. All right. Hey, man. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, good deal. <laughs> Folks, I am excited to be talking to Mr. Nick Perkins. Now, if that name does not sound familiar to you, it will soon because we are talking to the 2018 Elvis Tribute Artist winner for Tupelo Elvis Festival. Nick, how are you doing, brother? Doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Congratulations on your win. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. What's What's it like for you, man? Um, it's very surreal. Um, I have gone to Tupelo as a fan for the past two years, and this year I decided to compete since I was already going to be attending the festival, and I came in with the goal of top ten, um, of wanting to make top ten. Um, with that being my first ultimate preliminary contest. And uh, it's just a huge honor and a huge blessing to receive this title. Yeah, and and instead of top ten, you blew it out of the water, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you located right now? Um, I am located out of Tickfall, Louisiana. That is about 45 minutes north of New Orleans. Okay, all right. So uh, a little bit of a drive to uh, Tupelo for you then, right? Yeah, about four and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been doing this? When did you get started? I started, um, I actually started out in country music about four and a half years ago, uh, playing guitar and singing country. And then about two and a half years ago, I decided to take the adventure of being an ETA. And uh, I'm sure you know that's not estimated time of arrival. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but... Uh, but I started about two and a half years ago. Okay. Uh, what got you into Elvis? Um, my my brother passed away about five years ago. And um, Elvis is what really stuck out to me. And it helped me a lot mentally and emotionally. And uh, it was my getaway. Okay. And, uh, and that's how I started doing the Elvis thing. I just felt like, you know... He reached into my heart, you know, so it'd be nice to try to give off that same vibe that he did. You know, he sang from his heart, and uh, it's just a music that is like no other. Yeah. So you've been doing this for, uh, I'm sorry, I, I missed that. Two and a half. Two and a half years. So what's, yes, sir. Your, um, what's your greatest achievement so far? Uh, Tupelo, winning Tupelo. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, what what do you what do you get back? You know what? Um, 
the greatest reward for doing this would probably have to be for the people. Um, you know, the Elvis fans themselves, the, you know, they're the reason that we get to do what we do. And, um, you know, so it's always nice to, you know, honor your fans and to honor that, you know, all of them, um, because without them, none of this would be possible, you know? So, um, you know, really the fans and, you know, um, spending time with them is something that's very meaningful. Uh, prior to you going, uh, coming to the festival and everything, had you ever been to Tupelo before? Or you? I've attended the I've attended the festival um, two years. I've, I attended in 2016 and 2017 to uh, just be a fan and to see my fellow ETAs compete. You know, and uh, get you know just as a vacation. You know, get to come see the birthplace and you know, um, you know everything that Elvis had in Tupelo. You know, well, what do you, what do you think about Tupelo as a whole? Tupelo as a whole, I think it's a great town. Um, it's a beautiful town. Um, the people are absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's not there's not enough good I can say about Tupelo. They're just all around, you know, amazing. Turning, let's let's go from Tupelo to Memphis. How many times you've been to Graceland? Oh wow! Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have I've that been many hands. <laughs> I, I don't. Um, Graceland. I've been to Graceland probably um, probably about mm, roughly twelve to fifteen times. Oh wow! Um, but I. As far as going to Memphis, I've been to Memphis probably about 35 or 40. Oh, wow. Uh, so have have you ever competed in the Memphis UETA? I have not. But you're about to. <laughs> yeah, this is, my, this is my first time. This is my first. What's your feelings about that? Nerves. <laughs> nerves. Lots and lots of nerves. Um I haven't really uh haven't really thought about it. Um I just you know, it's exciting. Um it's nerve wracking. <laughs> um, you know, and it's fun to be with the people who understand and the people who get it, you know. So uh, overall, as an experience, I'm really looking forward to it. What What is it about Elvis's music that you know just keeps you going? Um, I guess the feeling. You know, he just when he sang, he sang the songs the way he felt them. You know, and uh, as an artist, and for someone who hasn't recorded anything that was written by him you know um i find that to be very amazing you know that he could sing with such passion and you know love and hurt all at the same time yeah, yeah. you know what's the hardest song for you to do to what's um, the hardest song for you to perform i guess oh wow um probably american trilogy yeah yeah yeah, because everybody's waiting for that last that last note, right? Right. <laughs> right. What's your favorite song to perform? 
Um, probably you've lost that love and feeling. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, well, I tell you, uh, the first time that I heard you, um, you know, this past uh, past week, uh, you came out with uh, the Wonder of You, I believe. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and I mean, I, the first thing I was a complete stranger standing beside me, and I said, "Dude, this this guy's got some pipes, man." <laughs> Thank <laughs> so, you. Uh, Thank but, uh, you. Very impressed. Well, all right, Nick. Uh, I just want to tell you, I um, congratulate you for Tupelo, and I wish you the best of luck uh, going to Memphis. I think you'll do well. Uh, you really, you really opened up some eyes here, and uh, I think. Uh, I think everybody's looking at you, buddy. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for everything. Hey, uh, I really appreciate your time and uh, and take care, man. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And an update, as we know, it is Elvis week at Graceland. He was part of the top five. He didn't win, but he was part of the top five. And we are very proud of him. So way to go, Nick. Hope to see you again next year. And while we're at it, congratulations goes to Ben Thompson. He is the 2018 Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Contest winner over at Graceland, representing the Hard Rock Cafe Last Chance Contest. And I do remember Ben was at the Tupelo Elvis Presley Festival. You may recall that Ben Thompson actually won uh, the 2014 Tupelo Elvis Festival competition. And uh, yeah, he was here this year doing the concert, the winner's concert. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to talk with him, but uh, maybe we can make that happen in season two. I hope we have a season two. But anyway, to all of the ETAs out there, thank you. Thank you very much for your time your hospitality, your putting up with me, <laughs> your memories, your entertainment. Thank you for everything, guys. And uh, I do hope to see each of you once again. Now, for those we've talked with already, and some you haven't heard yet, and to some, some very familiar voices, here are the answers to the following question. Where were you the day you heard the news that Elvis had passed away? Let me go back and tell you this. Okay. When Elvis died, um, I was working at Bank Corp South. And, of course, everybody at the bank knew I was an Elvis fan, you know. And uh, someone called me and told me. And, I, I mean, it, it was just so stunning to me it was like it was like some close family member had died I mean just the kind of feelings you have I mean it and there again that was that connection even though not personal but still a connection of all of those years you know and and it was like like I say, it was kind of the same feelings you have when somebody important in your family dies. And, and just as soon as we closed that door and locked it and I left, I went to every store and bought every record I didn't have that I could find. And 
Then I told my supervisor when I found out that they was going to have the viewing in Memphis that I wanted off that day. And my husband and me and my Linda, the girl, the one that was with me at the 56 concert, we went to Memphis. And we stood in line from right after lunch until six o'clock. And it was hot that day. That was August. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Um, a lot of people were there just to be there or out of curiosity or I don't know what. You know, to me, it was a very um, serious moment. Or, I don't know how to describe that either, but it was a sense of loss, a sense of sadness, you know? And uh, anyway, that was back before bottled water and all that, you know, and it was so hot. And um, they was initially going to close the gates at three, and there were still so many that had been standing there so long till they decided to keep the gates open till six. And uh, I did, I, I really, it wasn't that big a deal to me whether I got in or not. I had kind of mixed feelings whether I actually wanted to see him or not dead, you know. But the security guards, they, they had barriers set up on each. There was a line from the, from the north side and the south side here, and the gate was in the middle. And there was, a bay, there was three or four feet people deep, each, you know, across. And uh, those um, security guards were letting people that come and stopped in the street, people they knew, go in ahead of us that had been standing there. And that kind of made me mad. <laughs> I didn't think that was right. And another thing, there was this young girl come up and was talking to a lady in front of me. And she was, you know, laughing and talking and loud and said, bragging that she had already been in three times and this and that and the other and, and just stood there in front of me for a minute and I said I want to tell you something you're not going in again in front of me and she said what are you something about smarted off you think you can stop me or something? My, my husband said, well, if she don't, I will. Because <laughs> by that time, he was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, after the, they was letting them in from the street, I, I decided by then, well, if I'm on, I got to make a decision. If I'm going to go in, it's got to be now or never. 
So I turned around and told him and Linda, I said, y'all can stand here if you want to. But the next group that goes through that gate, I'm going to be with them. And I went under that barricade and went in. And, and I got to see him. They, of course, they took, you know, cameras, anything. They went through your purse or whatever. It, uh, or, well, I, they didn't have to go through mine. I, I handed them my camera, and, you know, I wouldn't took pictures anyway. It was not the time to be taking pictures. Um, it was, to me, I just don't understand people that would go there and not be reverent, you know. But... Um, I did, I did see him, and you hear all these stories about how awful he looked and about how all this, that. I thought he looked very nice from, you know, after seeing him in that last tour, on that last tour, he looked so much better to me in that, and he looked at peace and rest so I was okay with it the only thing as I told George Klein one day up there talking to him the only thing I saw that I would have changed or fixed or anything you know they, they had his hair too fixed looking his hair was never fixed it you know I'll, it fell down Order, and I thought they should have done that. And George said he thought they did later. You know, like he, you know, he his hair fell in his face. I can tell that's still a very emotional memory for you. It is, like I say, it was like <clears throat> it was like a, a close friend or member of your family or something. So I can't imagine how those people that were really close to him, you know, how hard it was for them. He had on a white suit, a blue shirt, and a white tie. And he looked very handsome to me. And like I said, at rest, at peace. Would you say that was your goodbye, or would you say that was your I'm going to here's what I'm going to do from now on, or how, how would when no, you walked when you walked out of the gates? Did you just, or did you just kind of? Feel numb. Well, I, I just, you know, I was still very, really sad, but I knew, I knew he was gone. But I, at the same time, we still have his music, and it's almost like he's not gone. You know, you have to remind yourself now that he's really gone. You see more of him now. 
than you did when he was alive. And you know, then there's been so much published, good and bad, that, and I think the good outweighs the bad. It's like that song he sings about walk a mile in my shoes. He was 19 years old and had lived such a sheltered life and his desire was was to do something that he could make money to give his mother and daddy a better life. Basically, that's how, you know, his thoughts in the beginning. And, and it was, I think, it, I think it was as much a surprise to him as it was anybody else. How, and it just, it didn't really happen as suddenly as you think if you read how hard he worked for it because they were on the road constantly in a car and and what they got paid was not many people would have continued for those first couple of years or so till he really hit it and then you know then he got thrown into Hollywood with all of that out there and you know we don't know what any of us would have done at that age. And that and he was naive, you know, compared to the people he was mixed up with or living around, you know. Honestly, I, I, I remember the, somebody telling me about it when I, when I got in that evening. And uh, it was just a, a shock because he was so young. But at the same time, I had, you know, we had seen him in his concerts and we had heard about his health issues and stuff like that. And, and it was just a, it was a sad thing that I hated to hear about. But, uh, but I would like to say I was just working and it was one of those situations where you, you just sort of say, uh, it's so sad because he had so much to give and had so much life left ahead of him. But like so many entertainers, there was so much pressure on him to perform. And a lot of the people that should have been taking care of him were not. They were worried more about the money or about him you know, he needs to be on the stage, and so let's give him this this pill. Well, he needs to be asleep, so let's give him this pill. And and it's, it's just so many, just, I mean, you see it in so many actors and stuff, like Michael Jackson, for instance. I mean, you see that the people around him want to get as much out of them as they can while they can. And, and, and you think, why didn't somebody help him. Why didn't somebody take care of him? And, and you just, I don't know. I see it even today. You see uh, entertainers that work five or six shows a, a week because they're on top. You know, they need to make all the money they can while they're on top. And you got people around them that are just encouraging that. They just keep pushing them. Go, yeah, you can do one more show. You can do one more show. And the problem with that is instead of having them for 20 or 30 years, we have them for five or six years, and then they, you know, they, 
they die because they're, they're wore out or they're chemically wore out. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's just a sad situation that somebody doesn't step up and take care of these people that need they need to take they need somebody that around them that loves them not just for the money you know and Elvis I don't know I think he had people around him that cared for him but I don't I don't know if I think it got too far it just wasn't a way to stop it I was just sad when I heard it and because he had so much give and so much more life to live and it was cut short so I don't know, just one of those, I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it. Even still. Yeah. I was with my sister. She was driving somewhere to me and her. She had a couple of friends, and I was in the back seat of her little red Maverick, and we heard it on the radio. And I just I just started crying. And uh, my mom, when we got home, of course, my mom had heard, and I think she cried for two weeks solid. Because she, um, she always told me that he was my father. And there was a picture of him in the Army when Elvis was in the Army that looked just like my dad. He, he really, they really did resemble a lot, and I believed it for a long time. Because <laughs> she never said it in front of Daddy, but... <laughs> she told me that, and I believed it for a long time. Yeah. Well, how'd you hear it? I, I heard it on TV. I heard it on TV. Uh, 77, uh, uh, I was a junior in high school. And it just, you know, we saw the thing on, on TV. Of course, you start hearing the stories. And, you know, wonder, you know, was it an overdose or was it this or was it that? And, and um, uh, but that's where I, I, I picked up, I think it was on television news, nightly news, that kind of stuff. I'm Kay Matthews, and I am, at this point in my life, I am a full-time volunteer with the Regional Rehab Center. I was at the country club at the swimming pool, had my children out there. Remember, it, I, I can tell you exactly which chair I was sitting in by the edge of the pool when that, when we heard the news. And it was just devastating. It really was devastating because I was so sad to know that somebody with that much ability, who had touched so many lives in a positive manner, was gone. Just, you know, it was gone. And as I said, my husband and I had seen him at the end of his, you know, approaching the end of his career. We saw the sadness in him. We saw the, the heartache and, um, and how hard it was for him to keep on keeping on. I mean, it came through loud and clear in his, in his concerts. He was just, uh, in my opinion... I could see that. And it was just such a sad, a sad loss to know that someone who had that much to offer was gone. Yeah. Um, of course, what's your, what was your reaction? I know, I guess, kind of disbelief, shock? Yeah, yeah. I, that, that would be the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, I mean, anytime you hear something like that, you say, well, i got to go hear it from somewhere else. I got to go make sure I've heard what I've heard. Uh, but, um, yeah, you just don't think those kinds of things going to happen to somebody his age. And who, somebody who was 
had so much going for him. And um, so, yeah, the disbelief and, and the shock was certainly there. And, and 42 is not old. No, it's not. No, it certainly is not old. And to, you know, and to say because his mother died at that age, he died at that age. I mean, no, that's, you know, mm -mm, mm. so it was, it, it just makes you really sad to know that he was a sad person. Mm -hmm. August 16th, 1977, where were you when you heard the news? I never will forget it. I was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I was... Uh, there in the summer uh, at a debate camp and uh, I was walking up a flight of stairs at USM, University of Southern Mississippi, and uh, going to uh, the next uh, debate round. Uh, we had mock debate rounds that summer and I was walking up the stairwell, up the staircase with a whole bunch of file cases, you know, the aluminum files. I was carrying just two or three of those and uh, all of a sudden right there in the corner that afternoon, they had a speaker in the hallway, the stairwell. You remember the old days? They used to have the right. speakers there right. in the schools. And they said, uh, it came on the news, and, it, and what I heard was uh, Elvis dead at 42. And I, I never will forget that. And I said, oh, my God. I, I about fell backwards down the stairs. And at that time, it was more because of uh, just concerned how my mama was going to take it. Yeah. Because my yeah. mama raised us on Elvis and... And so I said, Lord, i got to find a telephone. You know, I just laid everything down at the, at the stairwell and just ran looking for a telephone and uh, finally found a telephone. I called home. I said, Mama, I said, have you, I, I was hoping she hadn't heard. Right. I said, Mama, have you heard the news? And she said, yeah, it's, uh, it's all over the news. And uh, she, she was just bawling, just crying. And, oh, bless her. And just... Uh, I mean, it just broke her down, and, and I, knew it, I knew it would before I called, and uh, before I called her. So anyway, uh, that's, that's where I was, you know, just to never forget, it was a hot day in uh, August there in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, at the University of Southern Mississippi. Well, what ran through your mind when you first heard it? I mean... Well, you know, at first you don't believe it. You, you hear it, and you're like, what am I listening to? Is this, you know, is this the real news? I mean, it's just a speaker in the stairwell, you know. But the more I listened, I realized this is, you know, this is real. This is uh, real. And uh, and uh, I was just wishing I could be home because I knew my mom was going to have a tough week. And uh, so, yeah, it just, uh, with disbelief, uh, just uh, disbelief and then just... Uh, uh, sadness that uh, that at that age. I mean, I was thinking 42. And, you know, even even to somebody, you know, in high school, 42 is not old. Right. Right. And I, I was thinking 42. This just can't be. And of course, uh, you know, when I saw it myself on the news that night, and uh, everything started sinking in, I knew that. It, uh, it was true, and it was, it was nothing, you know, nothing I or anybody else could do to change it. So, sad day. Yeah. I left work and went by Sears to pay my bill, and as I walked in Sears and was going to the back of the store where you made your payments, it came over, uh, they were playing a local radio station through the sound system. It came on that Elvis Presley had died. And I kind of paid my bill stunned, uh, thinking, did I hear correctly? Got back in the car, immediately turned on the radio, 
And of course there were more reports. And at that time I lived up north of the birthplace just off the old Saltilla Road. So I passed the birthplace on my way home and uh, Steve Megginson, who was a, a local guy, was hanging a wreath on the door of the birthplace. So when I got up the next morning to go to work, that entire front porch was covered in wreaths. And you just felt like a member of the family had died. I mean, he had always been a part of the conversation and he wasn't supposed to be gone yet. Yeah. Same question. I had little, we had small children at the time and I had a house full of kids and I don't think I heard about it until Roy came in and told me. Is that right? I think so. What was your initial reaction? I was shocked. Just shocked. Disbelief? Mm-hmm. From our vantage point, we had seen Elvis in concert in 74 at the Mid-South Coliseum. And he was just, he was in prime condition then, top of his form. And he was not part of our daily conversation. No. But the shock, it was just one of uh, disbelief. It, there, w there were no warning signs for the average person that he was in trouble. Now maybe his hardcore fans saw him blowing up and, and saw his performances you know, going right, down. Right. But we weren't following him closely like that. So it was a total shock to us. You know, the last time we saw him, he was, we thought in the prime of his life. And he was. I was home and I heard it, I, I think I heard it on the radio. I wasn't even watching TV at the time, but I think I was listening on the radio when they mentioned it. And it was just shocking, just total disbelief. It was like, I mean, you had the Kennedy assassination, which I remember. You had the space shuttle Challenger blowing up. And I remember where I was then. I remember where, where I was when, when Elvis died. August 16th, 1977, the day Elvis died. Yeah. Wayne Herford, tell me your memories. Well, all I can remember is I was in college and I was walking across campus when I heard it and everybody just stopped in their tracks and it just froze. And we were looking like, Elvis? Say, what? Wait a minute, he's only 42 years old. You know what I'm saying? At that time, he wasn't, he wasn't still Elvis at the top, but he was still alive and you sort of, he wasn't in the public eye as much, but still he was Elvis, you know. And when you heard that, you was just like, wow, man. The, that's the first thing I thought, he's still so young, I thought. Mm -hmm. 42, that's not old at all. And that's oh, what, that was the shock to me, you know. And just couldn't believe it, you know. Just one of the great, you know, we all grew up with him. That was our generation. I mean, you know, I could never could believe he's from Tupelo, no way. You couldn't, con <laughs> nobody could convince me of that. You got to be kidding. Nobody that famous from Tupelo. Come on. Yeah. The king is. Yeah. I mean, uh, we used to stand out there over at Carver School, look out the gym window out to East Tupelo. You could see the lights. And yeah, Elvis grew up out there. I'm like, boy, what y'all smoking? <laughs> Elvis, okay. Because yeah. we've seen his movies, man. You know what I'm saying? You right. watched all the movies and you uh, grew up and all that. This movie, they were on TV back in the day. Yeah. It's a big deal. Right. Elvis movie coming on now. You know, everybody would be in the house, run to the, run to the uh, TV. But this guy's from Tupelo, you got to be. Come on. 
I never believed, I swear to God, I was a grown pretty much in my early 20s before I actually accepted that he was from, I never believed him. Wayne's just disappointed that Elvis didn't live long enough to have people <laughs> asking him, where were you on the day Wayne Herford died? <laughs> Am I right? No, sir, I'm not that good. No, sir, not at all. <laughs> oh, my General God. manager Jerry Jones making yeah. a cameo there. Yeah, Elvis Presley, man. Yeah, Elvis Presley. Yeah, I remember that. Though I was in college down at Alcorn State. I walked on campus, and I just remember stopping and just dead in my track. Say what? You know, it was like a Michael Jackson. It was like that monumental of a thing. Yeah. You know how it was recently with Michael Jackson. Right. Everybody's almost. I'm not. I don't want to disrespect those people, but almost like a almost like a 9/11 kind of thing. But I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect the 9/11 people. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Know it was mean. just that big a. a, a, a Shuttle explode. I mean, it was just a month. Where were you? That's what, a Kennedy assassination kind of thing. Yeah, it was just, I was just unbelievable. About to say that's what um, that's what was said just just a little bit ago. Yeah. Uh, Kennedy assassination, Challenger explosion, nine yeah. eleven. It's on that level. It's it's you remember. And you can go back and look at the footage now. And back then we thought it was ridiculous, but now you now you understand. I'm a little older now. I can see all the fans flooded to Memphis. The, the funeral uh, procession that was like how many miles? I don't know how long that thing was. Right. Seemed like it stretched all the way back into Mississippi. Right. And it was just, and you was like, are these people nuts? And then it finally dawned on me, hey, this guy was, he was more than just a singer, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He reached people all, and then all over, and then I got to came to work in, and you see all these people coming in from Germany, Japan, England, uh, wherever, Australian places, and you're like, are you serious? You save money all year long to come to that little old place out there in East Tupelo. That let me know something. I, I, then it hit me. I was like, okay, he is somebody. And they're doing it this week, too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It seemed to get bigger. It does. I thought by now, Josh, I really thought by now it would have faded. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we can just... You know, me and you talk a lot. We're old musicians. and <laughs> Well, you're not as old as I am, but, you know... We I'm talk close. about some of our heroes. <laughs> we talk about our, some of our heroes. Right. And in time, most of them, you know, those of us that love them, we still keep them in here. But the general public moves on pretty for the most part. This guy, nobody's, he's still, I mean, he's maybe bigger than he was then now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? How long has it been since he was gone? 41 years. Ooh, that makes me get old too real quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. 41 years. Yep, I was in college. Sure was, freshman. Sure was. That was Presley. Oh, my God. Dead? What do you mean, dead? I can't be dead. He's only 42. You know, we thought only old people, you know how naive and stupid. Right, yeah. We thought only old folks died. You know what I mean? You don't die when you're 30 and 42. Yeah. That shows you how naive we were. But, yeah, sad. (laughs) (laughs) But... Yeah, that's it, man. That's my recollection as far as I can tell. Your first name and where you're from? My name is Mark. I'm from Los Angeles. And your first name and where you're from? I'm Brandy. I'm also from Los Angeles. I guess you're you're with him. I am with, I'm with <laughs> Mark. Cross. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you remember the day Elvis died? Yes, I do. Can yes, you tell me about it? I was living in Richmond, Virginia. I was in the car with my dad. We're driving up the freeway, and we get the news on the radio, and he just has to pull over to the side of the road and sort of let it sink in, as I did. So we just kind of had that moment together. 
Same question. I was in Northern California. I was in Campbell, California, and I was sitting in um, our blue station wagon with my mom, and we heard the news um, over the radio as we were waiting for the car wash. Initial thoughts when you first heard it? Devastated, because my very first memory in this world is the 1968 Comeback Special. My grandparents lived over on Milford Street on here in Tupelo, and we were sitting there in front of the color TV on December 3rd, 1968, and I remember seeing them on TV, and I was just enraptured from that day on. I, uh, I was really sad for my mom. She was really, really upset. <laughs> That's what I remember most. Uh, first time at the birthplace? Uh, no, actually, my grandparents lived here, and my mom lived here and stuff, so I've, I've grown up around Tupelo all my life, so I come back every couple of years just to take a visit. But you, however... This is my very first day in Tupelo. Oh, wow. And Welcome. thank you. Um, so I thought today would be an interesting day to, to come and see the birthplace. Sure. Yeah. Sure. August 16th, 1977, here with Jim Holder. Elvis Presley dies. What do you remember? I'm a kid. I'm six, about to be seven years old. Uh, in Batesville, Mississippi. My mom, who was a big Elvis fan, the, I think it was Channel 5 out of Memphis, Mason Granger, yes, it's all coming back to me, Mason Granger, doing a live shot, reports, and he goes, Elvis Presley is dead. Just like that. My mom goes, <gasps> like that. Yeah. And all I heard it, and then nothing but Elvis music around the time he died, and a lot, a lot of Elvis music after he died. Yeah. And I remember uh, the, the crowd, seeing on TV, all the crowds lining up around Graceland, and I think we went like a year later or something like that and toured it. But no, it was uh, crazy. We've seen, uh, I knew of him, but obviously it was a big deal. Right. And I mean, then, you know, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, six year so, old, but that's, there's right. still there's that. Yeah, memory. it's like, yeah. And I heard a lot of Elvis music after that. Right. So, yeah. I was working my first job uh, in broadcast. I was at WXXX uh, 1310 AM radio station. Uh, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I had started in June. This happened August 16th, and the phones just lit up. I spent my lunch hour with teletype paper, blank teletype paper, writing as fast as I could take requests, uh, unduplicated names of songs that he had sung. And uh, I was getting that to the DJs for them to play. We were a top 40 station. Uh, I had women calling that were crying and couldn't get out the name of the song they wanted to hear. I had children calling with their mother sobbing in the background trying to get them to tell me the song they wanted to hear played. Uh, it was the most surreal. Uh, what amazed me was that I, I used about a yard of paper writing down just in normal hand print the name of these songs and never repeated a song. That there were that many songs that the man had sung and that were special to the people out there. It, it, it was, yeah, I remember where I was. What was your initial reaction? Uh, I, I regretted that I had never seen him in concert. Uh, and as, as and first it was like, oh, wow, you know, celebrity, wonder how it happened and, you know, worried about, you know, the tragedy of just somebody dying and somebody losing a loved one. Uh, and then as the day progressed, I realized just how much all of his music had impacted me since my older sister, Diane, had listened to him uh, up until my adult years working in radio, the hits that he had later in life, you know, just how good his music was, how varied his music was, 
and how what the longevity of just the time that you know he was alive it's still going on today he, he's still a profitable artist today but uh yeah it, it was it was interesting to be in radio you know like your third month in when the king of rock and roll dies and you're at the rock and roll station so before we close out a couple of weeks ago i went to my facebook and posted the question on August 16th, 1977, the world lost one of the greatest entertainers ever known. Where were you? What were you doing? Who were you with? And what's your story? Uh, this is probably so far the most commented post I have. And I wanted to go through and read those to you. I don't know where every one of these are because I'm literally reading off the screen here. Chuck says he was about to begin his first year at IJC. Uh, for you folks not around here, that's Itawamba Junior College. Now it's Itawamba Community College. Barb says, heard about Elvis's death on the radio on my way home from work in Verona, just before crossing the Natchez Trace. And she kind of gives her address here. I'm not going to go into that, but she was all alone. I remember saying out loud to myself, oh, no. Drove the rest of the way home in tears, with tears flowing. It was like hearing about a death in a family, hoping they were mistaken. Donna says, I was six years old. I remember my mama coming home from work and playing his album on our record player and crying. I wasn't sure what all the fuss was about, but now I have grown to love and respect his music. I made my first trip to Graceland about three months ago, and now I'm a huge Elvis fan. Well, good for you. Trish. Oh, Trish. Trish comments and says, I was doing student teaching and living in Cenotopia. My roommate and I were watching TV when the news announced his death. We went to the cemetery immediately after the service to see where he was buried. It was surreal. Now, there may be somebody out there. I don't know, but there may be somebody out there who didn't realize that Elvis was not buried at Graceland first. He was actually first buried at Forest Hill Cemetery, and I uh, want to say this just up the road from Graceland. Somebody will probably correct me, but I don't. It's not too far from Graceland. But what I'm trying to get to is that Gladys was first buried there as well. And then later on, uh, the both of them were moved to Graceland. All right, moving on. Sheila says, had just got home from school with my cousins and saw it on TV. We all sat on the steps and cried. Kitty says, her husband was in the Army, stationed at Fort Gordon, Georgia. We lived in Augusta, and I was home watching the Beverly Hillbillies. And then they interrupted the show with the news. They kept showing scenes at Graceland, and I kept thinking how if I was home, I could be one of those people. Such a loss. We have another Sheila. This is Sheila Joe. I was working in electronics at Walmart. We had all the televisions on and the stereo playing when they announced his death. Electronics came to a complete halt. Patrons were crying and staring at the TV like they had never seen one before. There was an air of sadness over the place for the rest of my shift. My cousin Mark is the last one commenting here. And he says he was swimming at the Twin Lakes in the Bennonite Mines. <laughs> Uh, sounds just like you, Mark. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. And um, I do hope, as always, when you listen, you turn on your Elvis music 
and listen, but especially this weekend, turn it up just one notch higher. Thanks for hanging out with me today, and I hope to see you in two weeks for the next episode of Shaping Elvis. Next time, we're going to talk a little bit about Jesse Guerin and Elvis's gospel music and religion and how that helped him in coping with growing up a twinless twin. So, until next time, I am Josh Ward. Thank you so much for listening, and I do hope you will subscribe to this podcast. Please go over and give me a rating. Check me out over in Facebook land. You can send me an email, shapingelvis at gmail.com or jward at wtva.com. My Facebook again is Josh Ward WTVA. And until next time, this is Josh Ward saying, Elvis may have left the building, but he's never left our hearts. Bye. Shaping Elvis is produced and edited by me, Josh Ward, executive producer Jason Lee Esri. It is a production of WTVA Podcasts. The views and opinions you hear on the show belong to me and my guests and don't necessarily reflect those of WTVA, parent company Heartland Media, or WLOV. Thank you. And good night. You've been listening to Shaping Elvis. Josh Ward, you do a great job, brother. Great job. Fantastic. Shaping Elvis with Josh.